Welcome to Radar, a podcast featuring exclusive interviews with artists of today. This program can be heard at thevinyldistrict.com or anywhere fine podcasts are found. Here is your host, Evan Toth. The path to success for most successful people in the entertainment business, or any business for that matter, is rarely a straight one. Life is full of unexpected twists and turns, but it's all about keeping one's cool and choosing directions that make sense, even if there's a bit of risk involved. Jim Keller knows he didn't just wake up one morning to become the longtime manager for Philip Glass, who is one of America's most celebrated composers and a Kennedy Center Honors recipient who was presented with the U.S. National Medal of the Arts by President Obama. It was a certain sequence of events that got Jim here. Keller, of course, is a musician. You've all heard Tommy Two Tones 8675309 Jenny blasting from car radios and being played by bar bands, and so is Jim Keller, and he loves it. Except in his case, he happens to be the co-writer and performer of that song and was in Tommy Two Tone. After releasing that power pop classic, Keller continued to make music under his own name on and off through the years, but now he's back with a brand new album produced by the great Mitchell Froom. The record is called By No Means and features Keller's direct, infectious music that can cut so sweetly you don't even recognize that you've been wounded. Join me and Jim on this episode of Radar as we talk about the twists, turns, and many lives of his career. Seeing the music industry from both sides of the stage and the production and splendid songwriting that went into his new album, By No Means. Is this is this album coming out on vinyl? Are you planning that? Uh, you know, we haven't figured it out yet, uh, hopefully. Uh, we're still, uh, it may be delayed, but we're, we're in the middle of, you know, trying to figure that one out. Right. So you've had a unique and a varied musical career, uh, co-founding and fronting Tommy Two-Tone and uh, 8675309 and also working with and uh, managing Philip Glass and his career for many years. How have you managed to stay connected to your internal musical voice through all these years and all these experiences? How has it sort of influenced where your music is today with this new record? Well, I mean, we're talking about a, a long period of time, but I think the I mean, and I actually stopped playing for completely for a while. Right. Uh, I mean, really, I'm not sure how to answer it except that when something is as important as music is to me, you make t- you just make time for it. I mean, it's really, it's you know, that's that's it. You show up, you find time, do it, and go go to that room, whatever it is, the studios, or wherever it is, and just um, dig in. Um, you know, it, it all changes. I mean, I'm you know, I'm not in my 20s i'm not in my 30s i'm not in my 40s um so whatever i'm singing today uh, i don't uh, you know i can't sing you know the old songs today they don't make sense to me uh every once in a while one will reappear that kind of does make sense but you know it's finding out what makes sense to me now and because that's all that really matters you know if you're any any kind of performer in the arts at all the first thing that has to happen is that you have to be able to believe what you're saying or writing or drawing or whatever it is. So, you know, that's the challenge is finding those things 
that you do believe in and being able to figure out how to get that across. And your back catalog, I'm, I'm sure you're always hearing uh, hearing that those tunes and that tune on the radio. Uh, how do you react when you hear a Jenny on the radio nowadays? Is it in a car passing by or something, you know? Uh, do you, how, do you, how does it how does it uh, live in your world now nowadays? You know, you sort of mentioned well, that it's I, different, but I always smile. Yeah, <laughs> you know, because that, uh, as with most things in the pop band, the pop world, you know, it's like I, I didn't we didn't know that was going to be a hit when I, I wrote that with my friend Alex Call, who wasn't in the band, and uh, you know, so I hear that now, especially in the car. I mean, that's the thing. If I hear it somewhere else, or you know, it's not. Uh, there, there are two places I love to hear. One is a car and the other is, which happens plenty over the years, is walking down the street and hearing a bar band playing it. Uh, <laughs> and I don't think there's really anything cooler than walking into a funky bar and standing in the back and hearing some band play your song. You know, it's just, and that, you know, and that, fortunately I really like the song. Um, it would be a drag if I didn't like it, but, you know, it's something about it is intoxicating with those, you know, three or four chords. It just works. It's hard to screw that one up. Let me put it that way. Well, you know, and it connects with your new album because you know your your new record is also you know based in it. It sounded like from the press that I read, and certainly from listening to it, that you you really made an effort to sort of strip it down and not get too complicated. Can you can you tell us a little bit about you know how you and I understand you recorded some of those songs on your iPhone and you sort of demoed them that way. How how what was the process in sort of crafting the new songs on this album and and finding the right production and sound for them? Well, most of, I should say, all of my writing is done where I'm sitting right now in this little room I have in my apartment, uh, like an office. And uh, what I do is sit with an acoustic guitar in my lap and my iPhone. And I sing in basically this voice that you're hearing now. Mm-hmm. And um, and it's really rudimentary. I don't use a pick. I just play with my thumb. And um, I write whatever comes out and what I, I work on. And, uh, you know, then what usually happens is then I go in and I go into a studio where I'm jamming with a bunch of guys and having fun. And, and as soon as there's a rhythm section, then everything goes, you know, kicked up an octave because I got to scream over the rest of the band. Right. Um, so when I started this project, I sent, I don't know, 25, 30 songs to Mitchell Froome, who uh, produced this. Mitchell gravitated instantly towards the um, this range uh, that I write in and the intimacy that um, comes across from those simple demos. And I can't even call them demos because it's just me just singing. So we really started from that place and, and, and really then, you know, it's, you're always trying to like find a group of songs that work together in the same family. Right. And, you know, it took a little while and it, which all of which was fun. And then, um, you know, that's kind of the genesis of this. And then you get, you know, two or three great players that, know how to listen and cannot take up too much space and know how not to play. And I was just looking at a note from uh, uh, David Hidalgo, who's in Los Lobos, who you know played on this. Right, he's playing guitar. And he, was, he said something to the effect of, I love that not playing anything is the right part to play. Right. Or something like that, you know. Um, so it's really simple. And, you know, we went at that specifically because we were trying to maintain, uh, you know, the intimacy of my voice and the simple acoustic guitar from those demos. The, I'm always interested in titles. The new album is titled By No Means, and can you tell us a little bit about your choice of that title? Where's that coming from? Um, well, actually, it came from, you know, we had a, a bunch of reference points that we were kind of using, and there was one that was kind of a joke, not really a joke at all, actually. Um, Roger Miller 
uh, Mitchell kept saying, yeah, man, we got to make it like a, like what would Roger Miller do? And, you know, which is, you know, trailer for sale right. or rent. And by means, that line by no means, means by no means right. is, is in that song. And so, um, it's kind of a nod, you know, to, I mean, frankly, it's, you know, it's the great songwriting, you know, talents of him and, you know, uh, all the other great songwriters that I, you know, admire so much. Yeah, I know cool. that's an odd that's an odd name to throw out in, in this, but you know I, I don't care where it comes from. You know, to me, I, I you know I worship at the altar of song, and uh, you know anybody that can take you know three chords and and you know destroy me is is always you know a, a magical thing. You know, listen, I, I don't care where it comes from. Anyone that could write a song titled "You Can't Roller Skate in a Buffalo Herd" is what, what was that? What was that tune? "You Can't Roller Skate in a Buffalo it. Herd." Uh, anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. He could turn that, he, and he turned it into a Grammy. So uh, no, Roger. Yeah, got awesome. it, yeah. I'm glad I asked that question because that's a great answer. Uh, tell us about the the personnel. You did mention uh, Mitchell Froome, uh, who uh, co-produces with uh, David. Uh, how do you say his last Butcher. name? Butcher. Butcher. And yeah. Um, and David Hidalgo, of course, as you mentioned, a guitarist from Los Lobos. And how did you how did you sort of craft the the unit that was going to play on this record? Well, we knew a couple of people right off the bat. Bobby Bob Glaub is a, a really old good friend of mine, and Mitchell's, and he's a bass player who's played with everybody from you know Lennon to Dylan to Jackson Brown to whatever million sessions and he uh, I've known him since the 80s and he lives in LA and so we wanted Bob and David Hidago who's also worked on a couple of other my records and I knew him from the 80s and of course Mitchell Froome did all the did the great Los Lobos records and they'd been in bands together so we knew that we wanted David um, and then Michael Urbano is the drummer and he's from San Francisco he I did not know that was Mitchell's call and again his you know what what he wanted and uh, the reason we brought Michael in is that he wanted somebody that could number one always listen um, and have good ears in terms of you know songs structure and all that but um, somebody that could play quietly with groove mm. and you know there are a lot of great drummers that I play with but there's a real talent to being able to play softly and have it be funky right um, and that is something that is a really special talent. And Michael is really brilliant at that. So it's like some of the, you know, the grooves on this record. And it's funny, you don't really think of grooves on an acoustic based uh, group of songs, but they're there and clearly, and that's Bob uh, Glob and Michael Urbano that really do that. They can play, you know, quietly and have it be a groove, which is you know wonderful. How did you guys record the album? You did it during, I guess, you did it over the course of last year, or how did how did you do it with the pandemic and everything? Uh... Well, it was pre-pandemic. Oh, um, we just held off releasing it because of the pandemic. Right. So we did this. At, Mitchell has a, a a little, you know, kind of little house behind his house you know, clubhouse kind of deal. Right. And he built this, he has a small studio in there and, you know, he's done, you know, Rufus Wainwright records and Randy Newman oh, in yeah. there and a bunch of other people. So he's all set up for it with a, you know, a dr the drums and all the stuff. So we basically set up, you know, we did a lot of pre-production so we knew exactly what we were doing in terms of song structure. We weren't like, you know, jamming in the studio to figure stuff out. Right. You know, we had, I think we had five days, uh, really, um, because, you know, we just to get all those, guys in the same room at the same time because they're all busy basically cut live um you know and i know a lot of people say that but <laughs> it really was you know you cut and i know you're an artist yourself so you know you we cut with the five of us with mitchell playing the keyboards 
and then we'd, we'd figure out, okay, let's take that take. And then I would go back and re-sing a couple of shots just so we could pull words, you know, if we needed a word or right. a cough or something. Most of the parts are just what we tracked with, you know, which is, I love. You know, it's also a lot faster and a, a lot less stress than, you know, coming back and having to go, oh, God, now we got to do how many guitar overdubs. And, yes. You know, I, mean, I don't know how you record, but, you know, I've been there. You know, <laughs> I I I, I, hap, I happen to be in that place right now, frankly. Yeah, my sympathy. Yeah, I think I can. I think I can add one more guitar part on this thing. Let me right. go back uh, next week. Right. Week. Right. How about some arpeggios in the chorus? Right. Could try, let's try this. A little know? organ. Which and- is. A tambourine yeah. yeah i know well it yeah. does Which take is fun man don't get me wrong you know no but it takes also you have to be uh, disciplined you know uh, to go in just as you did and to say hold on here we're just going to do a live let's just do this and not tinker with it isn't it is it hard to sort of step away though and and not tinker with it too much when you're done well i mean then this is where somebody as talented as mitchell Froom comes in he has i, I remember bob saying to me uh, when we were about to start, he, when I told him Mitchell was going to do it, he said, you know, Mitchell is smarter than the average bear, and he is. When things go easily, it's usually not a coincidence. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, in this case, it's like we honed in on everything being fo- focused around my vocal and my acoustic guitar. And when I sat down and we sat down to track, I didn't have to fight anything. So, you know, he set it up so that there it was the path was easy. Um, but it takes people, you know, with with good ears and who are really smart musically to help make it easy like that. And anybody that's been in the studio knows that you can go in there and pound your head against the wall, you know, for hours and days. And, you know, why isn't this working? And, you know, and when you have somebody, you know, with really great intuition, it helps. And also because, you know, those are people that are not afraid to say, no, 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 that is wrong. And when you trust and agree with the uh, taste that your people that you're working with, you know, you, you can, you know, follow them and, and it makes a big difference. Right. Right. That's a long winded way of saying it helps to have a great producer. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Someone that's not going to say, let's spend Tuesday and Wednesday working on finger snaps. <laughs> right. 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 Uh, find my shadows. One of my favorites on the album. Can you, can you tell us a little bit about that tune? Yeah. I mean, I'm, it's, I'm happy to hear you say that because it is one, it is one, if not my favorite song in the record. Oh, cool. You know, for me, uh, this is where just as a songwriter to me, that balances the, that this wonderful spot where it's about something that's, you know, not really not happy, uh, but it's a happy song sounding. Mm. So, you know, uh, I wrote this with a really talented guy named Billy Harvey, who's a Texas guy. And um, he was living in Brooklyn at the time with his wife and a newborn baby. And he was completely like a fish out of water, had no connection to this city or the life that was going on, was broke, uh, all the usual stuff. Right. And we sat down one day and just started playing that. And it's, you know, it's a, so there is this undercurrent in that song of, somebody that's a little lost and you know what i like i was saying you know to me those songs where you can where it it is bright and you know popping is a silly word but when the what's underneath it is um, a little deeper is is a great thing to go for done walking the line is kind of like that right it's it's kind of got a a lilt to it but yet there's a there's a little bit of a (laughs) a little bit of a dark edge there right i i I gotta listen to that one a little bit more 
I actually like I like that song a lot. Uh, the difference with that one is that the character who's singing the song has come out the other side, so he's he's over he's over it. <laughs> right, had enough, packing it in. That's it. Yep, yeah. he's left. Right, yeah, he's gone. He's gone. <laughs> But again, musically, it's got it's got a nice, um, you know, uh, you said the word poppy, poppy lilt, you know, to it. Uh, yeah. It, but but it is a little bit of a see you later. Um, and Maria Come Home is another favorite of mine. It's got a little bit of a Leonard Cohen vibe. And, uh, you know, that's another great one that I enjoy. Jesus, you're picking those are my two favorite songs. There you go. Are you clearly a songwriter. I you am. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, Maria Come Home is, you know, uh, is really dark and you know it's a sad it, it's upsetting and you know that's based on some friends of mine from years ago and it was you know it was a tragedy mm. and you know obviously this you know the the song you know pop, you know pop songs are little snapshots they're, they're these little polaroids of something that where there's a much broader story obviously you know and anytime that you know, I can create one of those little snapshots that indicates a, a deeper story than I feel like I've done a decent job. And, um, you know, yeah, that song to me, you know, is I, I love that one. Folks should check out your website. You've got one of the things on the website is this uh, cool, uh, the don't, you're calling it the don't get me started thing, which is also uh, right. a, one of the songs on the album. But w- why don't you tell, tell folks about that? Uh, I don't want to, I don't know if it's a project. It's just, a, it's a song and you <laughs> had a little, a little story connected to it. Yeah. Well, that was, that's the one song that we did record during the pandemic and basically in the spring when it, you know, it was really screwed up, not like it isn't screwed up now, but, um, I recorded that, um, on my iPhone here and, um, I, but I didn't take it seriously. And I write a lot of songs with Byron Isaacs who's in the Illumineers and he comes over and we sit and actually during that period, I, I think he was still coming over in a mask and maybe we were doing it on FaceTime, but I played it for him like, oh yeah, and I did this thing this morning and he went, whoa, man, what is that? So we finished it, which I wasn't even going to do. And, then I sent it to Mitchell just on a whim, and Mitchell the same day he sent back that track oh, wow. that night, and that is me on my acoustic guitar on an iPhone. Wow! And I sent that to Mitchell, and then he blew the whole thing up. Everything else is Mitchell, and then David mixed it. That and that microphone I'm singing through is the friggin' iPhone. Unbelievable! You know, insane. But at any rate, we did that, and then you know, there's very few guitar solos on this record. There aren't really any really and that isn't really what we're going for but i felt like this track was so cool that mitchell did i thought god we gotta why don't i send this to some people and just see some friends and see if they're you know busy and want to do something so we added two minutes on the end of the track just did a loop of the track and i sent it initially to nels from wilco nels klein sure. uh, rebo and david hidalgo and the three of them sent something back right away they were all completely different and they're all really insanely cool so then I had some other friends that were, you know, we talked to and I said, you know, if you feel like it. And so I sent it to a bunch of guys and it just kept going. <laughs> um, so there's like 30 of them now, but it's basically, I'd send the track with just, you know, two minutes of, you know, groove and they did whatever they want over the back end of it. And I even got Philip even did one, which was pretty funny. Right. Philip um, Glass, right. Yeah. Um, yeah, so no, it was just fun. And, you know, it's funny because you, when you go to the website, it looks very official. But it wasn't. It was completely random. And, you know, we just um, kept going. And, uh, I mean, I'm still putting them out. I just, you know, because we're just putting out one a week out on the Internet, you know, just 
Right. Well, that's why it's cool. That's why it works, because it's not a contrived thing. You know, it comes across as a as a sincere, you know, a sincere effort of you and, and your 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 uh, musical friends kind of kind of adding to this thing. No. Yeah, because it's really I mean, I I uh, except for this year, I, I basically jam every week. Every Tuesday night, I have a thing in a studio that I have that I had. I left it. But um, and it was basically, you know, it's like who wants to play? And I've been doing this for 15 years. And so all these people are people either here, and I do the same thing in LA. When I go to LA, I have gear out there and I do in the studio there. So these are all people that come in and out of either recording with me or playing gigs or doing these jams. So it's really in the spirit of, to me, you know, there are just so many really talented players in this planet. And, uh, you know, especially being here in the New York area, it is mind boggling. You know, when I do that, it's like whoever's in the room is what that music is that week. Mm. In other words, I'm not there like saying, play this, play like this, here's the groove. I'll just start playing and whoever is in the room, that is what it is. So this really an extension of um, that thing, you know, for me. That sounds almost like a workshop. Well, it is. I mean, I try out songs, but it's just, you know, it's just, turn it up and do whatever you feel like doing. Um, when you have so many great players, to, you know, to jump in and out, it's, it's really insanely fun. Yeah. And I guess doing that has probably been stunted by the pandemic. Are you hoping to, uh, hopefully soon, maybe things are loosening up a little bit and you'll be able to get back to it, I guess. Yeah. I mean, look, everybody's going through this and, you know, all of my friends, you know, that haven't played a gig since March 12th, yeah. um, except online. Uh, you know, it's it's tragic, and um, you know we're all holding our breath that we don't lose any more venues between now and you know the summer or whenever it's going to really open up again. You know, you've had the unique opportunity to see the music business from both sides, being on stage and being behind the scenes. How do you sort of reconcile those two worlds, working with or maybe working against each other? They do work against each other, and it's very schizophrenic. Mm. Um, <laughs> Uh, I mean, for me, it's uh, part of it is that, uh, uh, I mean, one thing I always learned, Philip had this great line, you know, someone said to him, you know, how do you be whatever successful, whatever he says, I get up every morning and I work hard. That was his line. And, you know, you, whatever it is that is your passion, you know, uh, the only way you can be successful with it is if you work hard and, you know, put the time in. So for me, what that means is that, you know, I get up every morning and I write every morning and and then I carve that time out um, before I have to do some work stuff and business stuff you know so that I'm have a clear head for that stuff and the same you know if I'm in the studio it's like I carve it out turn the phone off I give myself about an hour to cool down from whatever else I was doing Um, you know I think everybody has to go through this whether they have a day job or not you know it's just Number one, you got to cut the time out. You got to carve it up, and um, then you got to show up. Well, listen, the album is great, and uh, and I hope to uh, I hope sometime later in the year, if you're doing some shows or something, I'd love to come out and see you do your thing and and hear some of these tunes live. I bet they translate really well to uh, uh, you know to the stage. And um, I really uh, I thank you for taking some time to talk to me about it today. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Radar is produced by Evan Toth in partnership with WFDU 89.1 FM and The Vinyl District. You can hear Radar on WFDU 89.1 FM or anytime online at thevinyldistrict.com.